So it was a, a wet Monday morning in the spring of 1999. I was on my way. I was a freshman at East Texas Baptist University on my way to take a test in my reading, like my English class that year. It was just pouring cats and dogs. I had to walk all the way across the campus. I lived on the north side of campus, and the English building was on all the way on the south side of campus, right next to the railroad tracks. And I made that walk, and uh, I was soaking wet, got there, began taking my test. I'll never forget the moment. I was in the middle of taking that test, and the power flickered, and the power went off teacher said, it's okay, I'll open up the lines of the windows, and so he did, and let's finish this before you guys, um, before you guys leave, and so there we were, turned lights off, taking our test, and then right next to the, tra- the, the, the train tracks, we heard the train go by, finished our test, walked out, and as we looked to the north, where I had just walked not too long bef- before, I looked, and there was a path all the way across campus of rubble. You see, what happened was, while we were taking that test, the power went out, and in that storm, there was a tornado that had come through from the south side of campus, it jumped our building, and it had gone right through the middle of campus, and then there was rubble all the way through campus. That was a, a, a weird time for me in my life. I realized that God spared all of us, right? And then I looked down at all of these buildings in our campus that in the midst of the storm had weathered the storm. A little bit of shingles here and there, a little bit of leaves and limbs, and there's some trees down for sure. But the buildings themselves stood firm. And it begs the question today, in the storms of life, as we have already sung about today. No coincidence. Thank you, Blake. He's always very intentional about what he chooses to lead us in when it comes to song choice. And, man, where are you at, Blake? Are you here? Thanks, man. You're good. Thanks for what you do, man. Appreciate you so much. But it begs the question, when you face the storms of life, what secures you? You see, those buildings all had a strong foundation, a strong concrete foundation supported underneath that concrete by all kind of stuff that I don't know anything about. All I know is those foundations held those buildings secure. And so when you face the storms of life, what secures you? Now, when I say that, some of you are like, man, a storm of life. Like, you know, there's the kind of storms that we have sometimes, and there's there's a little bit of lightning, a little bit of wind, and then there's like hurricane tornado storms. I just see a picture of some people, maybe in the room, like you are in the middle of the storm of life. And have you ever, in the 90s, there was this movie that came out called Twister. I don't remember a whole lot about the names who were in it and all those things, but I do remember at the very end, if you remember, they were trying to get in the middle of the tornado so they can take these... Uh, these apparatuses that fly up and they'll chronicle all the things about the tornado and and they'll know so much and they can help prepare all the cities and everything that something is coming. And so I'll never forget this picture at the end of that where it's so unrealistic, but I'll never forget it, that, that here the main character and... The lady that he's been pursuing all throughout this, this movie, at the very end, they're in the middle of the tornado, finally. 
They wanted to be in the middle of it. They were in the middle of a tornado, and here they are. Everything gets taken away. The building gets taken away all around them, and all there is to secure them is he got his belt, his leather belt, and he strapped that around some plumbing, the only thing left, and the tornado came and was sucking them up toward the heavens, and here they are, the only thing holding them, they're upside down, just a picture that I have, Uh, they're upside down, and he's holding on to the leather strap that's holding on to the plumbing that's holding on to the ground, and I think some people today, when I say storm, that's you, you're in the midst of that kind of storm. And life is tough. And so I ask the question for you today, when you face the storm, what secures you? Today, as we wrap up our sermon series, we've been, we began walking through the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew, the second Sunday of September. So it's been a journey. It's been an incredible journey. Today, we're going to wrap it up. And as we wrap it up, as really Jesus wraps up his sermon, we're going to answer that question. When you face the storms of life, whatever that is, what secures you? Now, as we conclude, you can turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. But I do want you to know that next Sunday we start our Advent season. What is Advent? It is the traditional way churches have for centuries walked through and prepared to worship the King who has come, King Jesus. And so I want to I encourage you to come next Sunday. Don't miss a Sunday of Advent. We're going to light our first candle of Advent this coming Sunday. It's the, anybody remember what the first candle is about? Anybody remember? It's about hope. So you can't miss it this next Sunday. I know we're all traveling. We're all getting ready to wear our stretchy pants on Thursday and eat a lot of food. But, but come back. And when you come back next Sunday, don't forget to get this gift that we'll have for you. The series that we're starting for Advent is called The Promise. And there's a devotional book that we want to give to you. One per family, please, not more than that. I I bought one per family. And so I have one for your family. But what this is, it's a a devotional that will help you walk through this Advent season personally, collectively, as a family. It's our gift to you. So come back. I don't have it yet for you this Sunday. I'm not going to give it to you today. You've got to come back next Sunday and get it. And don't miss that. Man, it's going to be fun. And by the way, one more incredible thing that we launched this week. This next Sunday is the My Best Gift offering. It's our Christmas time offering. I'm going to tell you more about it next Sunday, but here's, here's the essence of, of this, that our best and biggest gift of this season is unto the Lord. So think about that as you shop on Friday. It's Black Friday, right? As you get prepared to search online for your Cyber Monday deals, let's make sure as the children of God, that our best gift this season, our biggest gift is to the Lord. Just encourage you with that. And so we've been in a series called Rabbi, as you turn to Matthew chapter 7. And the idea of this sermon series was that if we would just understand what that means, this idea that Jesus is Rabbi, that he calls us to be his disciples, to be his followers. And we began the series talking about what that looked like. What, what, how was a disciple called? We know that Jesus, when he, when he called his disciples, he said, come follow me. We did a little study on that. Where does that come from? Well, back in those days, a couple thousand years ago, for the Jewish people, they would go through school. They would learn the first five books of the Bible. And those who were really good, who excelled, 
They got to go on in their schooling. And there was a point when those, the best of the best in their teenage years, would stand in a line and the rabbis of the day would come to them and he would call to them. Those that he wanted to, to call and follow him for the rest of their life, he would say, come follow me. And at that point, if they so choose, they say, okay, you're my rabbi and I'm your disciple. I'm dropping everything. I'm dropping my agenda and I'm gonna know as you know and I'm gonna be as you are. And so that's been our umbrella of studying this idea of that Jesus is our rabbi. And so today, Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount. This is a long sermon, the longest sermon that we have of Jesus by far. When Jesus, after he began his ministry, he called his disciples and he was doing miracles and he was teaching as a rabbi like no one had taught before. All these people were following him. Like this, this rabbi is not any normal rabbi. This rabbi is doing things and he's teaching things like no one else has before. And I've got to be a part of that. I've got to listen to it. And so Jesus sat down with his disciples right there at the hillside. And all of these hundreds, maybe even thousands of people were just listening in as the master rabbi taught his disciples. And this message today, Jesus concludes his sermon with a clear and compelling message for us. Remember last week, if you were here, many of you guys are new today. By the way, welcome to the family. We're a family. I hope that you feel at home here. I hope as you drove on campus that somebody greeted you with a smile and a handshake or, or a hand wave because that's really, truly who we are here at Hope. Last week, we said that Jesus taught us through the beginning of verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, and through verse 14, that disciples are to be a discerning people. And we are also to be a people of direction. So to say that in a different way, we are to be vertically guided by the truth of God, but horizontally directed in that truth. And so we can say it a different way, our upwardness in God, our connection to him affects our outwardness and our onwardness in life. And so we are to be a discerning people. We are to be a a directed people, but today we are to be a distinctive people. That's really the overarching truth. Remember, Jesus is teaching, as a rabbi would in that day, with simple truths, overarching simple truths that are easily obeyable and actionable. And that is the truth today as well. Really one truth that we are to be a distinctive people. Now, there was a new young pastor. He was newly ordained. May or may not have been me, probably not. In the beginning of his call, he had someone in his church who passed away, and that gentleman was a very eccentric man. And right there during the funeral, he was leading the funeral. Right before the funeral, he was standing there with the widow. He didn't really know what to say, but the casket was right there in front of them. And, and so he jumbled some words up and began to say to, to his his parishioner right in front of him. He said, Miss Jones, just try to remember that that right there is just the husk, the shell of your dear husband. The nut has gone to heaven. <laughs> We're all a little nutty, aren't we? Now, when I say that Jesus is gonna teach us that we are to be a distinct people, 
It's not that we're to be weird. I think sometimes maybe we are a little bit, but we are not to fit in into the world. Jesus says we are to be aliens in this world, strangers in this world, that we are to be a distinct people, to be a different people. So let's read in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. He goes on. Remember, all of these are connected. One sermon, one truth. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And Jesus concludes his sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. And streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had, it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. Some of your versions say astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I remind you again that this whole deal that Jesus has been teaching, he is rolling out his yoke. And the yoke is the unique teaching and interpretation of the law that each rabbi had. And so when it said there that right at the very end, because he taught as the one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law, what he was doing here, what we have been walking through, through is so life-giving and different in that time. I would say that is true still today. It is so life-giving and different in our time. We are to be a distinct people. What exactly does that look like? Three things there in your notes. The first is this. How are we to be distinct? We are to be fruit confirmed. We are to be fruit confirmed. That's the first blank there. If you'd like to take notes, I encourage you to do that. As you came in, you got that, um, that uh, guide that has a connection card at the bottom, but on one side of that has the, the sermon notes. The first we find in that first little uh, thought pattern, true and my, mine says true and false prophets, watch out for the false prophets. But Jesus says twice in verse 16 and verse 20, by your fruits, you will recognize them. Remember we talked about last week that we were to be a discerning people? Jesus says, by your fruit, you will recognize them. You'll know the sheep from the wolves by their fruit. Now, I was at Brenton Stamper's house last night. You may not know who that is, but he's got a green thumb. He's got this backyard. It's in the middle of wood forest, so it's not like he lives on acreage. But if you go in his backyard, 
He's got an incredible garden. It's always green, always bearing fruit. So I was there, and it was dark, and I got, show me your garden, what's going on? And he said, man, here it is. And, and there were all of these uh, vegetables that, it's one of those uh, gardens that stands up about this high off the ground. But he had, he had kale. He, he had all kind of greens, mustard and collard greens that were so tall. He had lettuce that was like this. I kid you not, that lettuce was like this. It was so tall. Our lettuce is usually like this. His was like this. And I couldn't tell what it was because it was dark and I'm looking at it. And he was telling tell me what it, what it was. And I look off in the distance. He has, I think he has three rows. Oh, he's one, two. He may even have four rows of these beds, these above ground garden beds. And I looked over at the very end of the garden and I could see a different kind of plant. It wasn't just some plants that had a bunch of leaves. It was a plant, the only one that I could see with my eyes, that I could discern with my own eyes. There was a plant there that was a little taller, but it had this stuff hanging off of it. And it was kind of long and slender and had a point at the end. And I realized those are peppers. Those are peppers. I mean, look at those peppers. And I got closer, and like, those are peppers. And he said he gave some of those peppers to, a work, to somebody that he works with, and that person gave it back and as some salsa. He's like, man, that was so good. Well, why did Jesus say by their fruit, you will recognize them. Because fruit is so easily recognizable. I couldn't recognize a vegetable. Like, they're just leaves. He, Jesus didn't say, by, your, by their leaves, you'll recognize them. But a fruit tree, I mean, if you got an orange tree, it's going to have oranges on it. Like, I know that's an orange tree. If it's an apple tree, I know that's an apple tree. So Jesus is, is very simply saying, hey, by the way people live their lives, you will recognize them. You see, we are fruit confirmed. We are to be a discerning people. Now, I want to remind you last week the way we expressed this. There is a significant difference between being judgmental and being discerning. Significant difference. Jesus didn't say to be a judgy people, but to be a discerning people. I know I'm making up words. Work with me, okay? He said, we are to be a discerning people. We are not to be fault-finding. We are to be fruit-inspecting. That's what we are to do. And so what's the big difference between judgment and discernment? Judgment is punitive at heart. Discernment is redemptive at heart. Did you get that? God's job is to judge. If he wants to be punitive, God can do that. That's his right. That's his right, not ours. But we are to be a discerning people. And the idea of discernment is that we are to be ministers of reconciliation in this dark and messed up world. And so we are to be a discerning people. And so Jesus, I know, I know this passage, Jesus is talking about these, these false prophets and how to recognize them. But may we just for a moment apply what we were challenged to do last week, remember? Jesus says, when it comes to this idea of judgment, and discernment. What did he say? Hey, before you take the speck out of someone else's eye, take the log out of your own eye. Why? We need to be able to see clearly ourselves before we can help someone else with their problem, right? And that's the idea. Jesus, the heart behind it was not one of, I'm going to put more weight in this world. The heart was, hey, I'm going to lift weight from this world and bring freedom and bring life. And he invites us to be a part of that. We are to be ministers of hope and life by first looking at ourselves and, and answering the question, 
that is at hand within the scriptures? Do I see fruit of a disciple of Jesus in my life? Do I see that in my life? We have to fruit inspect our own lives. You see, these verses are a call to check ourselves, to check ourselves. Look at your own life, to do some, some intentional introspection in our own life. Like, hey, do, do, I, do I exhibit the traits of a Christ follower? Because the truth is, and will always be, a root in Christ will always produce the fruit of Christ in our life. The root of Christ will always produce the fruit of Christ. A root in God produces the fruit of God in our life. If you don't believe that, homework for you this week, go read the book of James. That is what the book is about. He says, faith without works is, what's the word? It's dead. That, that this idea that Jesus is teaching is, hey, it goes beyond this, this just knowing, but it goes to living this out. Faith without works is dead. We could also turn that, that around and saying works without faith are dead. It's almost like the Christian life and what Jesus is teaching and what Paul teaches many times in his epistles through the help of the Holy Spirit, this idea that the Christian life is like a three-legged stool, okay? Now, we know that in the book of Ephesians, when Paul writes to Ephesus, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are we saved through, what's the word? Faith. This is not of ourselves, this is the gift of God. Not by works so that that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. And so, man, all those words. So what is this relationship? The first is that God starts this by his grace. He extends his grace to us. That's the first leg. But then, for by grace, it starts there. And then there's this aspect of faith that we really believe that Jesus is who he says he was, that he really is the son of God, that he really did die for the sins of humanity, including mine. And that if we trust him, that we put our faith in him, if we come to a moment where we say, Jesus, you are my higher one, that's the word rabbi, right? That, that, then we will be a child of God. We, we really put our, all of ourselves in that ourselves. But then that third leg is there is a fruit from that. And, and so that's the way we see the fruit of experiencing the grace of God and putting our genuine faith in him, and that leads to works. And so for you today, just want you to think, what is the fruit of God in your life? Do you have that? And man, if you've never seen that in your life, even if you attend a church for all of your life, however old you are, and you, don't, you have experienced any fruit of Jesus in your life. May we talk? Can we talk? Right there in the connection card, like, I'd like to talk to a pastor. Would you just indicate that? I will reach out to you today, set up a time where we can talk. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, I think, I think this begs us to, to ask that question. Is my fruit as a disciple of Jesus, am I distinct? Am I fruit confirmed? The second is this, it's relationship founded. We find in verses 21 to 23, these, this passage where Jesus says in verse 23, depart from me, I never knew you. I remind you the truth that Jesus did not come into the world to start a religion. 
he came very early on in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. Well, why did God give the law? Remember, two things. One is to protect his people. And the second is to bring his people back into a relationship with God. Okay, that's, that's the spirit behind the law. It wasn't about just a list of do's and don'ts. It wasn't this list of things to feel bad about themselves and shameful. It was a way to redeem them and bring them back. It was to restore and bring weight away, shame away from them to get them back to God. And so this, this idea, when, when Jesus talks about true and false disciples, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. At the end of the day, I will, I never knew you. And I love that word. To me, that word knew, if I were you, I would underline that. What is Jesus really saying here? He's not inviting his disciples into a religion, a list of do's and don'ts. He's he's inviting his disciples into a relationship. You see, he came to fulfill the law. That is the reason for the law. And Jesus is the culmination of that law. Relationship founded. So important that we understand this. That, that, that we are not a part of a religion as the world sees it. We are a part of a family of God. And family infers relationship. So today, if you are in Christ... You are not a part of the religion of Christianity. You are a part of the family of God. Well, what's the difference? Massive difference. If we approach Christianity as a religion of things that we do and to check things off and to not do, and I didn't do that, then, man, we miss the whole point of why Jesus came. Jesus came to restore. He came to bring freedom. He is the good shepherd that came to us to to lead us in, in, in the ways of life. So many verses I could quote. If you want to write some, some down, Jesus is the good shepherd. He, he loves to, to shepherd his flock. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and they know me. You see, this idea of relationship is so important that we are not founded in the things that we do. Our access and our identity is founded in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is why we are relationship founded. That's why in verses 21 and 23, we ended up last week, um, uh, two weeks ago, it says, it says the narrow gate, the, in the narrow, the, the, the sorry, Stop. <laughs> the way to heaven is narrow, and the way to destruction is so wide. It's so narrow. There is actually only one way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. See where relationship founded. And in verse 24, Jesus finishes up with this story that we've heard probably all of our lives. I remember singing about this this passage about the house that was built on the rock versus the house that was built on the sand. And here's the truth that what is the distinctiveness of that? We are to be wisdom practitioners. We are to be wisdom practitioners. We, we are to, to know who we are. 
We, we are to know whose we are as disciples of Jesus. That is our distinctiveness that we can claim by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. But we are to be wisdom practitioners. We are to know what to do. And we have to know verses 24 to 27. If you've been journeying with us, this is the mic drop moment for Jesus. If you've been following with us, these incredible truths of Jesus that he's been teaching so deep, so, so applicable and relevant to our day. And Jesus, in a sea of hypocrisy of that day, he says, look, there is a wise way and there is a foolish way. And Jesus here gives us the key to weathering the storms of life. Build your house on the rock. What does that mean? What in the world does that mean? Take note, church family, this does not mean, Jesus is not teaching that he is the rock, although that is true. That's very true. All throughout scripture, God is described as our rock. If you go to Psalm 1914, may, the medita- may these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God is our rock. What he's not talking about there is our faith in him, the rock. Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Jesus said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus reply? Jesus, uh, Peter, you are the rock. Peter, change his name to the rock. And upon this, I will build my church. What was Jesus saying? He wasn't saying he's going to build it on Peter. He was saying he was going to build it on a statement of faith, genuine faith that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is the birth of the church. That is when we enter the church as a child of God. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. That's not it. What is exactly Jesus teaching? Let's make it clear. The rock that we've been working toward, this whole message, the rock is obedience to the word of God. The rock is obedience to the word of God. What Jesus is saying here is not enough to believe in him and to know. If you believe in him and know it, it doesn't lead to the practice, the wise practicing of these truths. Jesus is very, very abrupt here. He says that is foolish. It's like foolish, like a, like a man that would build his house on sand. You see, faith in Jesus followed, you got to get this, faith in Jesus followed by obedience is the rock that Jesus was teaching about. Followed by obedience. Obedient faith is what will help you weather the storm. Obedient faith, my church family, obedient faith is the key to freedom. Obedient faith is the key to joy. Obedient faith is the key to hope. Obedient faith is the key to life. So building your house on the rock means simply doing what Jesus says. Doing what Jesus says to do. Building your house on the sand means not doing what Jesus says. You see, it's foolish to hear the words of Jesus. I'm just saying, I'm I'm guilty of this. It is foolish for us as disciples to hear his truth and not put them to practice. I'm guilty. I'm gonna go out on a limb. (laughs) 
uh, you are too. You see, mankind is fundamentally sinful. We're fundamentally foolish. We are, as I grew up seeing, we are all prone to wander. We're prone to wander. But Jesus, but Jesus. Here's the truth of all of the Sermon on the Mount, that our rabbi has come to us. Even though we wander, and oh, don't we wander, Jesus comes to us. You see here, there is a very clear call to faith. Jesus said a couple of times throughout the Sermon on the Mount that our righteousness is just not enough. We can't do it. We can't do it, but he's already done it. And that's what Jesus was saying. See, there's freedom there. There's freedom. You see, there's a very clear call to faith. There's a very clear call to repentance, to turn away from the old way and to turn toward God in the truth. And then there follows that, Jesus concludes the the sermon with a very clear call to obedience, my friends. Obedience to his truth. There's an incredible passage in Acts chapter three, verse 19 says this, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That's an incredible truth, my friends. If you come with baggage of sin in your life today, there is hope in Jesus. And all you gotta do is repent and turn from those sins and turn to him. And they will be wiped away. I love that. Do you feel the weight that Jesus releases, releases us? And then it says this, that times of refreshing may come. If you're weathering the storms today, would you anchor your life on the grace of Jesus? Would you again put your faith in him? Would you trust him? And I love the ending, verses 28 to 29. They were, when they heard Jesus' teachings, they were They were astonished. When was the last time you were gripped and astonished by the words of Jesus? I pray for that for us. Man, our our hearts are so hard. If we can hear what, what we've been talking about in the inerrant, incredible treasure trove of truth that we hold in our hands, if we can hear these truths, and not be astonished. Man, our hearts are so hard. I pray that that God through his spirit would soften our hearts, that we would recapture a reverence for his word and awe that he still speaks to us. He still, even right now, he is speaking to us. If we would just open our hearts and our ears to listen. And this book, y'all, this book, as we wrap up, This book is an invite to be a thankful people. Thanksgiving this week. This is an invite. This message is an invite to be a thankful people. Thankful that God loves us enough, in spite of us, that he would come to us. That he would call us, come, follow me. That he would choose us and that he would teach us who we are and whose we are through Christ. And if we really listen to what rabbi means, we leave as a thankful people saying that the almighty God, our creator, we get the opportunity to say, you are my rabbi. You are my higher one. 
And we should leave today celebrating, thankful, as joyful children, disciples of the one true God. Let's not miss that. So today is a, is a day that we leave in celebration and joy. So would you stand with us as we do that very thing, as we celebrate and in thankfulness and gratitude for Jesus, our rabbi.